Guess what, guys? We're not doctors. No, we are not. If you're going to be making any major medical decisions, please consult your doctor. That includes diets, exercise, medications, and surgery. We love you guys. And we want you to continue to be in our OSLP family forever. So be careful and and consult consult your doctors. doctors. Guys, we all need our vitamins after surgery, regardless of what you think. Yes. It's a must. Yes. So why not choose the easiest and the best tasting in the community? Seriously, it's ProCare, guys. ProCare is so delicious. I use their chewable for over a year. That's how I know. Yes. And I love their capsules. Yes. Love them. They're once a day. I take them at night. Easy peasy. And my labs are fantastic. Yeah. Our labs are great. And I've actually switched to the capsules and I take those at night now. So if you guys need your iron, they have them with iron and they have them iron free. They even have calcium chews. Yes. The calcium chews. mm, Perfect. They have mocktail ones. So go over to ProCareNow.com and use our code OSLP to save some money. Prepping and measuring your food post-op is a beast all in itself. But Portion Perfection has actually made it super, super simple. They have bowls, plates, and even a lunch bag called the Kitten Carry, where you can have all of the system ready to go. Yeah, we love carrying that thing around with Mm -hmm. us. It's so much easier to pack your lunch, your snacks, especially when you're on a road trip. That Mm -hmm. thing is a lifesaver. Yes. If you want to get these things to help your journey, just go over to PortionPerfection.com and use our code 15 osl pod. And again, that's 15 OSL pod. And you can also go over to our Amazon storefront to pick out any of those that you would like to use. Are you feeling lost alone? Maybe a little unsupported in your bariatric journey? Well, if you are, we have a great resource for you. It's called the tribe membership, and they have support groups every single day with experts in their field who also had bariatric surgery. Comes with journal prompts, workouts, and recipes, you name it. They got it. You'll never feel alone again once you join the tribe. Now go over to thesleepdietitian.com and use code OSLP at checkout. (laughs) I hate that. I know. I don't know. I have a weird thing about the like sweetie thing. Like I tried. I tried really hard to like it. And then one day I was like, you know what? We were in Dallas. I don't like that. Actually, we were in Dallas, and I said it to her at in Heather and Joe's kitchen, and she's like, "Don't say that again." Yeah, I was like, I Fair. get instantly mad yeah, every time like, you say it. Don't call me that. And I was like, okay. I'm learning to say what I'm feeling. I like it. I like it. Hold on. I feel like I'm really far. I can't get get comfy. You you need to get closer to your mic. This is the first. Oh, life. yeah. This is the first time she's done live. I've podcast. never done a live podcast ever. Oh, okay. Cool. This is awesome. Is it on? It is. <laughs> is it Here. On? Yeah, actually, how about you count? Okay. You but count and I'll see it. It doesn't sound any louder. Well, because well, you don't have ears on. I didn't give you ears. I'm just monitoring it right here. Oh, so it's not so everyone can hear me better? No. Oh, so, no. I, have to, so I have to talk loud? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is literally for the recording only. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is this okay enough or do I have to be like right here? I mean, it depends on the person you ask. Could I have one person talking to me? You suck. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no, Jamie. Let's see. Can you hear me? Yep, you're on line three. Can I, but okay, can you hear me from right here? Yeah, do it again. 
Can you hear me if I'm right here? Yeah, we're good. Okay, great. Told you. <laughs> so at the end, there will be questions that you guys can ask her. Um, this is going to be your guys' mic. And we might have some trivia questions for you at the end, too. Okay. Just FYI. So if you haven't noticed, Mel has been dreaming of this moment since we started this. That's true story. So she has it all planned out. Very excited. Let her do her thing. That's true. All right. So we're going to do this, the normal intro and everything. Okay. Calm okay. us down. You ready? Yeah. You guys ready? Yes. Okay. Welcome back, OSLP family. Welcome, welcome. Man, that shot hit my throat. <laughs> That's what she said. I'm feeling off. it in my head right now. <laughs> yes. Um, you are listening to our Sleep Life podcast, and this is Kelly. This is Mel. And we have a very special guest with us in person, Jamie. Jamie, the, the sleep, sleep dietitian. dietitian. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Yes. Well, for those that don't know where we're at, because I am going to release this, we're in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Our first stop on our, on East, our Coast East Coast tour. Yes. How does that feel, Jamie, that you are the first stop? Oh, I'm, it's it's an honor. <laughs> All I can think is, never mind. I'm oh, just, you want to do it? That's what she said. Moment. I mean, you literally said the first stop. I know. Like you, you legit really did. Yeah. It okay. All right. <laughs> never. So never tonight we're going to talk about nutrition myths. Yes. And we actually asked the audience if they had any questions. And did so we get any? I'm going to see right now. Let's see. We're not sure. Oh. I'm also going to check. I got it. Okay. We have a question right here. If you had to choose one. Hemp hearts or chia seeds? I'm not sure of the difference. Ooh, okay, one, that's a good question. I don't even know what a hemp heart is. It's, so I need a, that first. I'm confused also, so I need clarification. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So it's this is a hard one because I haven't talked about hemp hearts or chia seeds and the differences in them in a very, very long time. From my understanding, hemp hearts have a higher protein count than chia seeds. Um, Chia seeds can be really great, though, for digestion. And um, if you've ever taken chia seeds and you mix them with water, they Mm -hmm. get kind of like gelatinous. Like a pudding, right? Yeah, you can make chia seed pudding. Um, I don't necessarily know that one is better than the other. I think both can be a really good addition to your diet just to add extra protein, fiber, um... Would that but I couldn't. Like, I definitely couldn't tell you off the top of my head the nutritional value of each, like without. So if you did chia seeds in water, which I've never heard of before, mm-hmm. that's how they uh, make the pudding. My, my point is, if you add it to it's like, like it'd be like a bubble tea, though. It's like yeah, a tapioca. No, no it won't Hard be no. bubble tea. Okay, like no. tapioca. Don't pudding. try bubble tea, guys. <laughs> it's really gross. No, I mean as chia seeds, it's not going to work. No, it's like tapioca pudding in your mouth. In your mouth and <laughs> through a straw. It's pretty gross. <laughs> My kid really likes bubble tea. I have to get it every time. No, it's a whole like teenager thing. I know. Is like, it? Yeah. yeah. Like they go and get their bubble tea. And then see, they, I know people disgusting. who really like bubble tea. It's it's a kid thing because for us, it's Starbucks, right? We or, yeah. or for us two Dutch brothers because we're on the West Coast. Oh, oh she just God. I don't like Dutch brothers. Dutch their brothers coffee is, good. is gross. Oh, coffee is sick. I just get their strawberry smoothie. What's Dutch brothers? So I have no idea. <laughs> Dutch Brothers is a Pacific Northwest coffee place. It is. And oh. Well, this Connecticut girl doesn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> but all of the, like, high schools, they go over to Dutch Brothers yes. because Starbucks is too, like, old for them. Yeah, it's so. like, they're like, oh, you guys are like Facebook. Like, don't. 
Because <laughs> Dylan Trative told me, he's like, um, that's for old people. And I was like, oh, that's not very nice. I know a lot of people on Facebook that I still talk to. Oh, I think that Starbucks, <laughs> Starbucks was for old people. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. Like in their eyes. In their eyes. Starbucks oh, is for old that's people. That's very rude. Because- hey, I know. <laughs> I know. Believe me, I hear it every time we go to Starbucks. And they're like, mm, it's for old people. Can we go to Dutch now? Well, sorry they don't need espresso to keep them awake. That is true. That Guys, is very true. Okay, squirrel moment. I had two espresso shots last yesterday. In my chai, my dirty chai tea. Dirty chai tea. That was weird. Chai tea latte. That will. Mel doesn't do coffee. I don't do coffee. For those that know no, me, except, I don't. Except for Javi. Except for that's new. It is new. It's I'm very new. Saying. I probably have only had like four shots of Javi total, and now I've had like two espresso shots at Disney World at Magic Kingdom, and I felt like <laughs> I'm I was, corrupting her. She is. Slowly. We both corrupted her yesterday. Very ridiculous. Oh, we were very. Tired. I felt very hyper though. I was like, okay. oh, this is on. This is working. Yes. Got it. Cat, this is why you guys do the caffeine situation. Yeah. 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 100%. Okay. They got, they got me to buy stuff too. Okay. Squirrel one more moment. Um, Because Mel hated Epcot. No, she didn't hate I Epcot. Didn't hate it. She disliked it because there was so much shopping. Okay. These two won't stop shopping. Yeah. That's what we do. Dude. We shop. Was, no. Well, we, it's not, even, it's not even shopping. It's just looking at stuff. I hit a wall. It's do shopping you, for Do you know how hard it is yeah. to stay drunk or high at fucking Disney World? It's <laughs> yeah. It is not hard to stay so, drunk in Epcot. With you two, it was. You guys are shopping. Literally, You're not drinking. You like, have there is a no whole drink. world that you could drink. And you know what she comes back with? A white, a claw. white claw. I, I was never face. so. I was never so offended in my uh, whole thin. life. We take this girl all the way to Epcot to eat and drink around the world, and she gets a white claw. I did. You know why? Because you two girls were taking forever in the Aladdin situation. Oh, it was that so was, pretty. Though. It was to the right. It was such I was like, stuff. Fuck they had this. a stuff to boot. I'm gonna go get. And like, it was a whole thing. That's all they had, though. Yeah, and then Mel comes walking back to us with a fucking white claw. I drank it. And then I have my sake. We were on our way to get it. sake. You did. I you still did have, have my it. violet okay. sake. You did have it. Or okay. We went to Japan and got violet sake. Yeah. If you have Way better than a white claw. Go do it. it okay. A, this probably isn't definitely. the nutrition episode you were expecting. No. It's the one you're getting. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. So I have a question okay. for Jamie. Cool. Okay. Okay. Do it, girl. When and where does carbs fit into a bariatric journey? I get this Ooh, one a lot. That's a good question. There are Thank a you. lot of misconceptions around carbs after surgery. And I think one of the, I think this where this comes from is two places. One, most of us, if not all of us, have been on diets since we were yay big. Mm-hmm. And so many diets we've been put on have been super low carb, whether mm-hmm. that's Atkins or keto or, you know, what have you. And that coupled with a lot of surgery centers discouraging carbs can make it very confusing. Um, one of the things that I say a lot is all foods can fit, just not all the time. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to explain what I mean by that, because I think that can be confusing too. Yeah. So the point of surgery, in my opinion, as a dietitian is not to eat as little as possible for as long as possible, nor is it meant to be a diet forever. But this gets confusing because we are given a post-operative diet by our team that is very restrictive, but it's not the same as, you know, diet culture unless we make it so long-term. Bariatric diets tend to be very low in carbs if carbs are even allowed at all in the first 
six to 12 months in most programs. Again, everyone's program is a little bit different, but the reason for that is not because carbs are bad or because we don't need them. The reason for that is our stomach space is so limited in that first year. So most people are not eating more than a few ounces at a time. And everyone's restriction is different and it changes over time too. So if you are eating more, that's also okay. But until you are consistently getting your protein needs met, you don't have the stomach space or the room to add extra things in. And when it comes to necessity to make sure that you're not malnourished, protein takes priority. Mm -hmm. We need protein for every function in our body, whether that is, you know, enzymes are made of proteins. The thing, our hair needs to grow because of protein, skin, nails. Um, we need enzymes for like literally every function in our body. So if we're not eating adequate protein, what ends up happening is, you know, you don't just, your body doesn't just stop functioning because you don't give it protein. Your body just draws from your own protein source, which is your muscle. And when you have muscle wasting, that's when you can have malnourishment and have other deficiencies. So protein is king. It takes priority because we are able to burn through, you know, our fat stores, which also promotes weight loss and use that for energy as well. So it's not like just because you're not eating carbs, you're not going to not get energy. You get energy from all food sources, whether that's protein, carb, or fat, which are the macronutrients. The thing is you do want to start to add carbs back in because having a no carb diet is not realistic because our body Mm -hmm. does need carbs for energy, especially once you're working out, especially if you're working out intensely, even if you're not it's not realistic to expect to remove an entire macronutrient from your diet. So in my programs and in the tribe membership, I teach people the bariatric meal plate method. I say, you know, make half your plate protein once you're able to eat all of your protein without a protein shake. And the reason I say that is a lot of people will drink one or two protein shakes a day and say, oh, well, I got my 60 grams of protein in, now I can just eat carbs. No, we wanna make sure that we are utilizing our tool correctly and maximizing that restriction, meaning, that you are feeling that fullness and really making sure that you're not eating around your restriction. Um, Because certain carbohydrate foods do not keep us as full as protein foods. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have heard the term slider foods. Those are more of the simple carbohydrates, like the snacky foods, and they do not keep you as full. So if you can imagine chewing a piece of chicken, that Mm. takes a while to chew and it sits pretty heavy in your stomach. Mm-hmm. But if you can picture eating a Cheeto, oh, it's oh just I can dissolved. eat a whole fucking bag. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah. Pretty and, and what's really interesting right. too is digestion starts in, when you're chewing. Yeah, the sal- your saliva has digestive enzymes. That the digestive enzymes that break down carbohydrates are actually in your saliva, whereas protein does not start to denature or break down until it hits the stomach acid. Okay. So you're already digesting your carbs as soon as they hit your mouth which is why they tend to disintegrate in your mouth when you have something like a Cheeto. So there's, there's a, you know, foods are not good or bad. They're just different. And that's what I try and explain to people. So carbs are not bad, but to get back to your original question of like, when do we add those in? Once you are eating at least half of your plate protein, everyone's, you know, plate size is going to be a little bit different. And I teach that in my programs too, but once you're getting your protein in, then I suggest adding more fibrous foods like vegetables and it, when you are going to start adding carbs, and I do suggest starting with fruit because it has more fiber, yep. more nutrients. The reason I say to wait a bit also to add some simple carbs in is because I don't know about you, but I never binged on grilled chicken. No. It, no. Like I just no, never did. Not, and no. maybe you do. But most I people, mean Chick-fil-A. There's Chick-fil-A. Yeah, but it starts hurting really fast. So my well, point yeah, is, my point <laughs> is, 
The other reason you want to distance yourself from these foods in the beginning of your journey and really optimize that first six to 12 month period is because you want to train yourself and your brain to learn new habits. Mm -hmm. So if you are going back to those trigger foods too soon, it it's going to, I tell my clients this too, once you re-enter something back into your diet, it's pretty much back in. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's a bitch. So, so mm-hmm. it, you want to make sure that you are emotionally ready and have already put new coping mechanisms in place to no longer be coping with food. Because if you add those foods right back in too quickly, are you really changing your mentality around food? Yeah, like- but that does not mean that we don't add things in ever. And if you can't tell by all of us sitting up here, we have a pretty normal balanced routine, but also have things like, you know, alcohol or, or a hot, shot. And that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. And there's a whole, a lot of disclaimers with the alcohol piece too. But my point is, you know, all of us are further along on our journeys. Mm-hmm. I'm over five years out and you want to get back to a place of a normal, maintainable, livable mm-hmm. routine. And you do that by slowly adding things back in. And I always suggest working alongside a dietitian to start to add foods back into your diet so that you feel supported in doing so. And especially working around trigger foods. So twofold. One, I do think we should have a dietitian with us plus a therapist because I added trigger foods back in and they suck. (laughs) Because they're still trigger foods. Yeah, because I had, you know, I will bypass the garlic bread. Several times. And then Melanie ended up having like five or six of them. Mm-hmm. And that was like, interesting with trigger foods. And people have different opinions on them and different approaches about how to go about it. But um, for me anyways, sometimes if I'm in a really good spot, I can handle having the trigger foods in the house. Mm-hmm. No problem. Me and my husband eat very differently. <laughs> no. No. So no. Kelly's Kelly's boyfriend dropped off crackers. I know. Just lame ass premium crackers. Okay, he doesn't just go off delivering crackers. Like (laughs) like, that's not his job. He knows that I love crackers. He He has an inn at the Chips Ahoy place. And so he can literally get pallets of like Chips Ahoy. It's not always helpful. No, it's not helpful. I would and I had ducks yeah. at the time, and he's like, hey, I'll get these for your ducks. And he didn't realize you really shouldn't be feeding your ducks crackers. Um, and so then I started eating them, and then I went back to normal where I'll, I'll just sit in bed and eat a whole sleep. But so, why? Oh, so that's from childhood. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I noticed when I get stressed out because of childhood, like when my parents would fight and like have an issue, only like um, – treat or snack you would say it was peanut butter or crackers so that's what I would have and then I would just start eating that right out of the sleep so when I feel stressed and there's crackers in the house so for you I'm a little cracker monster so for you and your trigger foods you know you would want to work with a dietitian but you definitely would want to work with a therapist to Mm -hmm. work on that trigger on the coping mechanisms around it and until you're in a place where you feel like you have adequate coping mechanisms in place I would suggest having boundaries with yourself with those trigger yeah, foods. So that might, so for me, certain there are certain things that I just don't keep in the house. Yeah. Uh, one of those things, I've talked about this a lot in the tribe before, like a lot of the girls have heard me talk about this, but bagels are my jam. Okay. Uh, like before mm-hmm. surgery, They're like good. like the good, and I'm in Connecticut, which is fairly close to New York. We've got some good bakeries with like good bakery bagels. And again, bagels are not bad. Like they're not inherently bad. Like if you're actually looking at the carb count and you're pairing that with protein, mm-hmm. But I know myself, and if I were to have those in my house, 
I'm not going to eat my eggs or my protein. I just want the bagel with the butter and the cream cheese. Yeah. And a toasted so, so bagel. For me, toasted. Yes. yes. So for me, when I have bagels, my boundary is I go to the bagel shop that I like that makes the homemade bagels. And when I'm in, and I have it when I want it or go get the one. Yes. I don't bring the dozen mm. into my house. And that works for me. And so bagels were a food that I did not eat for a long time after surgery, even after I was able to start adding carbs in after that first year. And I worked with my dietitian. My program was super, super strict on this. Um, like I was not allowed to have even low carb wraps or anything to like 12 months. Whoa. My, yeah, my program was incredibly strict. However, and pe- someone asked me recently, like, oh, like, weren't you really mad about that? And you know, because I do have that all foods fit, just not all of the time approach. And I was like, no, actually, I was very grateful because it taught me how to use my tool. And once I hit that like 11, 12 month mark, I started meeting with my dietitian regularly. I loved her before she left our center. And every couple of weeks we worked on adding more back in. So it wasn't okay. all at once or all the time. And it made me feel really comfortable. But even as I was adding those things back in, I did not add bagels in for a long time. I don't even remember the first time I had one after surgery because I knew that emotionally it wasn't a good move for me. I knew that there were certain carbohydrate foods that were not as much of a trigger that I could handle really well and feel good about. Um, what were those? Definitely. Sorry. Like what are okay? Well, your... it's not that they're okay or not okay. Like for you. Yeah, for, yeah. for me, um, I started adding in, you know, like, for example, like Dave's thin pillar bread. Oh, yeah. Which when you yeah. actually look at the nutrient comparison to a slice of bread and a, you know, half of a bagel or something, it's not that different. Mm-hmm. It, But to me, it was. So mm-hmm. the other, one of the other trigger foods that has taken, oh, that took me a while to allow back into my house was like Oreos and mm-hmm. chocolate chip cookies. So, mm-hmm. but what I was saying before is now I'm in a place where, you know, after being in therapy for so many years and working on these things continually, I'm pretty much okay with those things in the house. Bagels are still something I don't I don't put in the house, but the cookies, which is wild to me that I can we, be around. We have cookies. them right up there. We do. Yes. My, my we husband, do. on the top shelf. My husband was here earlier this week, and he eats whatever he wants, and he had ordered like an Instacart order and had Oreos in it. But like honestly, I think I had a couple, but I forgot they were in there. I think I had more than you did. Yeah, I think I, I had one. <laughs> but the, my point you is, had one. I had one. Oh. My point is there are points in time when I can handle the Oreos in the cabinet and not even blink an eye. Mm-hmm. And there are times when I am struggling either emotionally or mental health wise when it's not a good idea and I just throw them out mm-hmm. because it, it's when I'm taking the one here and the one there and the one like those little bites grazing all day long add up. And that makes me not feel good, not just physically, but emotionally, because it makes me feel like I'm out of control. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest things is learning to feel empowered in your choices, which is why I'm such an advocate for drawing awareness around your habits and why you have those habits. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I notice I'm in that snacky, grazy, emotional eating mentality and I catch myself and that's what I feel proud of is that I catch myself. I just throw it out. And I'm like, you know what? I can have cookies in the house maybe next week, but not this week. Yeah. Cause like mm. we, I don't know. I won't say we, I, I put them up there because they were out on the counter and I mom the house. They kind of laughed at me because I literally like. She's a giant mom. They Mill they got here and cleaned me. I did. I cleaned <laughs> and I organized and I moved some shit on the shelf. Yeah. And as I was doing it, I was doing the thing that she's talking about where I would grab a cookie, eat it and walk away. Right. And then I noticed. Okay. I noticed that um, Steve had to sleep to himself. My I, husband, I heard that my when I got here. Loves, my husband loves Oreos and he loves cookies. And that man will sit there and eat an entire box of Oreos, like put it away, no problem. So I'm not surprised by that at all. Yes. Hold on. Hold on. Are we using props? No. Oh, yes, please. Plug her in. 
So as I was cleaning, I had like five Oreos. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm. So I put them in this corner. I was like, it'll be in the corner. I can't see it out of sight, out of mind, right? And then I had one, like two more. So sorry, I had seven of your Oreos. And then I decided to make Jamie her own cupboard. So this is her cupboard, has all her stuff in it. Because if I don't see it, then it's not a problem. But mm-hmm. the the fact that I could see it every, every time I was like cleaning and walking by, I'm like, ooh, that's not good. You can also, so, so I it, realized Oreo is a trigger food. And I didn't good, know that it was. And it's good to recognize. And the thing is, having a couple of Oreos is still not necessarily bad, but the way you were eating it wasn't serving you. And you recognize that. I did. What would be, you know, and let's say. Don't you laugh at me. <laughs> I'm moving the mic. Because I want to sit back. This is my baby. So I'm going to move okay. it. It's your precious. <laughs> okay. No. I don't follow the Lord of the Ring movies. Even though I knew that was a Lord of the Ring reference. <laughs> I don't even know what that was. I've never ah, watched I got that. you. Okay. But I think it's yes. good to recognize because I didn't realize for a long time that I had trigger foods. Like. If I have them set next to my bed, I will wake up and not even realize that I'm reaching for it until the next morning. And then I'm like, oh. And you might need a boundary where maybe there's no snacks like in the bedroom. Exactly. And that's what I've started uh, now because I'm just, I, in the beginning of my journey, I was so scared. And I heard somebody else say that, that they're scared of the cars. Yeah. And I was deathly afraid. And I remember having a conversation with my nutritionist, my dietitian, that she was like, well, why don't you eat the potato? And I'm like, because the potato is a car. Like that was my answer. Mm -hmm. And she was like, but why are you scared of a car? Like, what's the point in that? Because I cut out all pasta, all chips, cookies. Like I ate nothing that was a car. And I think I only did a disservice to myself because I didn't try to fit these things in and then I didn't feel deprived. It was a constant deprived nature. So it, and it really is a fine line of, you know, when do you add these things back in? When are you, you personally emotionally ready? When mm-hmm. are you hitting your protein goals? You know, when do those choices make sense for you? And this is another reason why comparison is so dangerous in this community because yeah. So everyone's journeys are different. So if you're like, oh, well, she's eating, you know, this, that, or the other thing, and she's only two months post up, I can do that too. Yeah. Well, you don't know her situation or what her dietitian said or her circumstances. Maybe she doesn't have the trigger foods that you do. Mm-hmm. So I think just making sure that, you know, while we're cheering each other on, you are staying in your own lane of not comparing to other people because yeah. it's really easy to look at what other people are doing and either justify your own choices or feel like you're not doing enough and neither of those, it, it's not necessarily true. Well, I noticed that most of us, when we start comparing, we're just putting ourselves down. Well, we're right. justifying it for ourselves. Yeah. She eats one Oreo a month or a night. So I'm so going one Oreo. Right. But what if you can't just eat one? Like, like you, me, I cannot. You can, you're eating nope. seven. Well, so another example is, and I'll just say again, alcohol is a whole different ball game when we talk about trans prediction and I'm not grazing over that because that's very important, but you know, you guys had, you know, like a drink before. Mm-hmm. You're how far from stuff again? Almost four years. Four years and you're seven? Almost eight, yeah. Eight. So someone who's four, five, and eight years post-op is going to look way different than someone who's three months post-op. Correct. So, you know, sometimes I'll post things on social media, whether that be a snack or a drink or something, and people are like, oh, I can have that? I'm like, I never said you could have that. Just because I'm having it doesn't mean you can. Yeah. Because I wasn't allowed to have this thing, you know, when I was in my first year, Mm -hmm. but as time went on, I worked with my dietitian and my therapist, I now am able to have those things. 
So it's really important just to keep that in mind when you're, you know, trying to figure out what the best choice is for you in your journey. Well, and I think it's important, like you said, to look at how far that person is. So if you look at somebody and they can even be on the, have surgery on the same day, same hospital, same surgeon, and it's still going to look different. Some people can't tolerate certain things and you could tolerate them really easily. Some people can eat three to four ounces at a time, two months post-op, and you can't. Like, Every, yeah, everybody is so is different. How much someone eats, everyone's stomach sizes are different, and how much volume mm-hmm. of food you can eat is, is going to be different. And I say this all the time, too. It's not the quantity of the food you eat that matters as much as the quality. Because mm-hmm. if you are eating high protein and pairing it with fiber and being mindful of those trigger foods, if someone's eating four ounces and someone else is eating eight ounces, but they're still using their tool properly, you're still going to get the results that you're trying to get. And the other thing too, that people compare how much people are eating, which that's just toxic in our community anyways, Mm -hmm. but um, also comparing the weight loss numbers. So what you're saying, someone could have Mm -hmm. surgery on the exact same day, same surgeon, same all the things. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, if one person loses... 30 pounds that first month while the other one lost 13 pounds that first month everyone's body composition is different and pounds are a terrible measurement yes. to to look at weight loss by because you want to look at percentages mm-hmm. so if someone started at 400 pounds someone started at 300 pounds someone started at 200 pounds and they all have surgery on the same day the person who started at 400 pounds is likely going to lose more than the person at 200 pounds but the percentages could be the same because mm-hmm. your percentage of weight loss is different so you know, when you see, oh, she lost X amount of weight this month. Well, when your whole medical history is different, your Mm -hmm. circumstances are different, your starting weights are different. Like it, everything, everyone is different. So I think that's it. And again, it's so challenging. And as a dietitian and a member of this community, I see it so often because every surgery center does things differently. So the Mm -hmm. standardization across the board within our community, um, still has a long way to go. So I understand why it's confusing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we actually had the opportunity while we were here to do an in-body scan. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting. Oh, yes, SABP. Yeah. So we walk in and he's like, do you want to use the machine that you guys always talk about? I'm like, yes. yes. And please. then we also looked and we're like, can we pee first? <laughs> yes. Because it was an hour and a half drive. And I was like, I don't want to be weighed with all this pee in me. Yes. <laughs> Not okay. But it was cool because we got to see the percentages versus just stepping on a scale. Yeah, like it, it actually showed your lean mass. It showed your water intake. I got to figure out like, so one leg weighs like 18 pounds and my other leg weighs 20 pounds. And he was like, do you have, have you had any surgeries? Do you have anything in your leg? And I was like, I actually do. Yeah. Because I have titanium from knee down on my left leg. And I have five screws in my ankle and two screws in my knee. And he goes, oh, that's the weight. That's the difference. Your titanium and your metal is two pounds. And I was like, oh, that's wild. That's kind of, that's like a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. Right? Yeah. And then we got to see that the only pounds of fat, like me and Kel have, because it's mm-hmm. roughly the same, is 96 pounds of fat. Yeah. So we can totally lose So when you think about that, we can like, do that. Like, that's I'm like, reasonable. okay, so really, I'm, I weigh 96 pounds. That's <laughs> like, that's what I'm hearing right now. And I'm going to hold on to that as not, long as not, I live. I'm not like, the goal, but. <laughs> I'm 96 pounds. It's fine. But it was it's cool. Fine. It actually broke down like what your organs weigh, your skeleton. Like it was 
fucking rad. And, it was really cool. Yeah, I loved in-body it. In-body scan is actually what my gym has, and I, I get on the in-body scan probably every two weeks or so just Which to I see. love that you do that. Yeah, because it's really important, and it's really helpful to see, like, oh, okay, like, the scale's the same, but the muscle mass is up and the fat mass is down. Mm-hmm. Because, again, your overall body composition is going to matter so much more than just the, the pounds lost. When it helps for stalls. Like the mindset oh, yeah. with stalls, oh, yeah. because if you see that, you're like, oh, my fat's down, my muscles up, mm-hmm. we're okay. Yeah, okay. I wish that I had done an in body before I started on Jaro. Oh, that'd be cool. I oh, like it would have been really I wish cool. I had done an in body before I had my surgery. I was gonna say, yeah, my well, surgery. Well, that too, that. but like because I got down to so low and then gained some back, like it would have been cool to see, like. Because I obviously I know more now than I did when I first had yeah. surgery because my Standard. thought was like, oh, I'm just not going to eat anything and I'll lose weight. Perfect. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. No. no so. There's so much more to it. So busting myths. So can you, I have twofold. One, of course, fruit. <laughs> if we Everybody eat too much fruit, fruit, Jamie, are we going to gain a bunch of weight? Very unlikely. Okay. You'd have to eat quite a large volume of fruit to gain weight. But the thing is, weight gain is not going to come from fruit carbs. It's not even going to come from something like the Oreos alone. It's going to come from being in a caloric surplus. So if you're eating more overall, so you can technically, like technically overeat anything and be in a caloric surplus. But I think more what your question is, is, is the sugar from fruit going to cause weight gain? Yes. No. And, you know, Again, the community I'm not, is back. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's such a fear around fruit. And again, I think that from what we were talking about before with carbs, I think this stems from the diet culture. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was put on an Atkins diet when I was 14 years old and told wow. not to eat it because it's awful and horrible for you. And I had PCOS and I got diagnosed at 14 and was put on that diet. And I was like, oh, well, it's going to make my PCOS worse. I can't have that. Mm -hmm. So I just thought all sugar was bad. But I I talked about this, again, kind of comparing the nutrient content we were talking about before with like the Dave's Killer Bread versus like a bagel and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, If you look at a small piece of fruit, it's going to be about 15 grams or so of carbs. Every 15 grams of carbs is considered one carb serving. Okay. So everyone's carb servings are going to be different based on your, and this is very individualized based on you and your dietitian calculating these things for you, which I will just say, if you're listening to this and you're like, my dietitian never gave me a carb goal, never gave me a calorie goal. That's probably a good thing because Mm -hmm. I think getting too nitty gritty with counting these things is overwhelming and not helpful. I think the biggest thing we need to be aware of is our habits Focusing on protein first and really utilizing our tool. But I digress. (laughs) My point is a small serving of fruit is about 15 grams of carbs. That's like one carb serving. So even if you were to have one small serving of carbs per meal, you know, that's like 45 grams of carbs for your three meals, not including snacks or anything. That's a very low carb diet. But what happens is people write off carbs entirely and then have a binge session. Yeah. And the other thing is, and I, I posted a reel about this on social media the other week. And I was, I posted. Keep going. Like, you guys are making me hungry. I'm going to grab a little. <laughs> oh my God. I posted when I was. When I posted. Bring the, me some cheese. <laughs> you guys are so funny. Thanks. When I posted the reel, I said, I'm so sorry for ruining everyone's day. You're all going to be so mad at me. But I, you know, I apologize because it was um, that sound. What's the sound? It's like. No, it isn't. It's not. Like, oh, and, yeah. and the caption was you're that your 
your protein bar probably has more carbs than a slice of bread. Sorry. And it's what true. Is, why would you give me pepper jack? Oh, it's too spicy. Ketchup spicy. I know. Thanks. Ketchup is not spicy. Ketchup is spicy. <laughs> to me, it's spicy. Uh, no, Zach's daughter Chloe goes. I was like, I think ketchup spicy, and she's all, "What the white? Like total white girl over here." It's fine. It's basic white girl. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Your grays and beiges. That's true. And gold. Anyways, go ahead. What was I talking about? Your real the sound. Bars. Thanks. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yes, go grab snacks. So, it's totally fine. What I was saying is, you know, a piece of fruit has about 15 grams of carb, uh, just an average small piece of fruit. A lot of people say, no, I won't eat that because it's sugar and carb. Mm-hmm. But in the bariatric community, we eat a lot. We eat a lot more carbs than we recognize. So my, my example in that post was, uh, I'm going to just pick on Built Bar for a second. I think not because I'm picking on them, just because everyone in the community seems to love them, which is fine. They are okay. a fine. They are. I love them. Uh-huh. They are a fine option. I'm not saying that they're not. But a Built Bar has about 18 grams of carb in it. Mm-hmm. So the logic doesn't make sense. I won't eat a piece of fruit because of the carbs. It has about 15 grams. And if we're even thinking about like a clementine has closer to like seven to nine grams of carbs. So you won't eat a clementine that has seven grams of carbs, but you'll eat the Built Bar that has 18. And it's because there's protein in it. But you could very easily pair a string cheese with your yep. clementine and have some protein and some carb. So I'm not demonizing carbs here either. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have your built bar because of, of the carb. My point is you're eating carbs anyways. I'd rather you make a really mindful and aware choice and mm-hmm. pick one that is going to be satisfying and taste good and not be afraid of it because mm-hmm. you're probably eating carbs anyways, because a lot of these low carb products, while they do have higher fiber, you're still in taking those carbs. Mm-hmm. So I remember we had this conversation. Um, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> I've been so like is I because I get very moment? yes okay because this is I get so scared yes and I'm not like because I'm like carbs equals fat like that's not. where my brain goes doesn't okay now I will say as with everything there are nuances so yeah. some people do need to be more mindful of their carb intake so again I have polycystic ovarian syndrome and insulin resistance so for me I do need to be mindful sometimes of how much carbs I'm having throughout the day or rather how I'm eating them mm-hmm. so making sure that I do pair my carbs with a protein to to manage that so everyone is different but I hear from a lot of people like oh I can't eat carbs at all I immediately gain weight mm-hmm. and if you're being so restricted to the point where if having a piece of fruit makes the scale go up then we have a problem anyways mm-hmm. okay. so you know it's a lot of these questions are hard to answer. And we talk about this a lot, but there's so many nuances. It's just not one size fits all. And it really does depend on the person, the circumstance and the scenario surrounding that question. Yeah. You can't really just ask like, is this piece of food bad? No. Because it, everything fits together. It's like a puzzle. Like, like no one habit is necessarily bad either. It's mm-hmm. what your entire routine is made up of that well, really matters. I would say, I also think it's like diet culture saying, hey, but if you eat an apple a day, you can get diabetes or something. Like there's like these random Who's saying that? Yeah, there was something that yeah. she read back when we first started the podcast oh, that yeah. if you ate an apple a day. We had a, we had a whole discussion yeah, on it. That is a myth. Because I was like, I'll just there's say that is a myth. Okay. Because I was like, there's no way. Like nobody got fat off of eating an apple a no. day. It doesn't I matter know. though. Like you can have an apple a day and not be fat. Yeah. Like, there, nobody got fat off of eating an apple a day. Okay, 
Then the other one is veggies. Are we allowed to count it or not count it in yeah. our like daily like? What do you mean count it? Like, are because if you're logging it, if you're logging it, yeah. Like, because I've been told that it doesn't matter. Like, have as many veggies as you want. Is that true? Should I log? Should I not log? I mean, is there too just, much carbs in are any you of the really veggies? Going to log? I, I think so. Fair. Well, here's the thing. I like to, this is, this is part of the reason I don't think strict tracking every single thing that you eat all the time is always going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And I'm not shaming people who do track their food. If that's what keeps you on track and makes you mindful, yeah. I think that that's a great tool to utilize if it works for you without becoming obsessive. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people do not track things accurately. So I would much rather you have an overall calorie and nutrient awareness mm-hmm. So if you want to check your app to see like what the calories are in the vegetable, that's fine because you might un- unknowingly be eating way more carbs or whatever than you think you are with your veggies because it might be a starchier one than you assume. Right. So if you are a diligent tracker and you track everything you eat anyways, again, that's a whole separate well. conversation. I would say yes, but I also would never want someone to not choose to eat the cucumber because of the calorie. So again, it's right. like, it's a, it's a really hard question to answer. I would rather you focus less on the calorie makeup of all of it and focus more on the quality of your meal and pairing the different nutrient types. Well, I would rather you focus on having the protein you want with some veggie you want with mm-hmm. a little bit of carb you want and eating it mindfully with awareness without scrolling on your phone or being in front of the TV the whole time. So it's a, again, Fair. it's what, it's how you're eating it that matters more. And if you enjoy it. Because right. I find that, like, if I don't enjoy the food that I have placed in front of me, I'm going to eat very little. Yeah. But, like, last night, the escargot was amazing. And so I had a lot of it. You went to be our guest in this yeah. But I was like, but I'm not going to feel bad about that because I thoroughly enjoyed. But why would you feel bad about it in, at all? With? Because I would before. Like, I would feel bad for everything I put in my mouth. So if I ate a Mickey pretzel... I'm going to beat myself up for the next. And this is where therapy comes in place because having this inherent belief that I am bad because I'm eating food mm-hmm. stems back from somewhere because we are, whether we have to, whether I know exactly where it whether comes we're from. So. Patients or not, whether we're people who struggle with our weight or not, we are all humans and we are all humans who need to eat, deserve to eat and should not be shamed for eating. Yes. That so, is one of the biggest things that you said to me that actually made sense. Like I was like, a wait a minute. Being with a human body that needs to function. I'm yeah. supposed well, to eat? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I think a lot of us think like that. But like, I'm not supposed to is, eat. The other problem is, um, and it might even be helpful before posting this episode to put like a slight trigger warning if we're talking about disordered habits mm-hmm. here. But. Hold on. Trigger warning. Well, when you post the episode. Warning, no, like warning, 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 warning. Okay. Go above five oh. minutes. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I was going to say is. You know, most of us have struggled with disordered eating in some way, shape, and, or form. And a lot of that disordered eating it goes under the radar because when you are someone who struggles with your weight, society doesn't see you as someone who could have mm-hmm. an eating disorder. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you have, you know, not been eating properly and you still, you know, you haven't been eating enough and you still struggle with your weight, people just are like, well, eat less. Yes. And that's a whole other problem with just weight stigma in general. Well, but I like, think maybe that's the messaging you yeah. can get in your life is yeah. just eat less, eat less, eat less, eat less. Well, you're going to get to a point when, you know, what are you even eating then? <laughs> and that's how I got down to 141 mm-hmm. because I wasn't eating anything. But didn't you feel hungry? 
I mean, I was still within that first year of like, I didn't really have the hunger hormone. Okay. okay. So it really didn't. And the I was working so hard. When you are overworking your body, when you are not eating enough and you are not eating enough consistently, your hunger signaling is not going to work properly either. So if, can you so, explain? And I see our therapist in the back nodding her head. Yeah. You've done it a few times, and I'm like, okay, Ashley's <laughs> like, validating. yes, yeah. 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 another professional in the room, but yes, um, explain that a little bit more. So, for example, while we're talking about crappy nutrition advice, let's just talk about pouch resets while we're at it. Oh my god! So, <laughs> yes. so. We which, learned our lesson. Which me and Kelly did try two years ago, so we're not going to lie. I didn't know you then, and it's a good thing because I would have yelled at both I of know. you. We so, didn't know. We lasted no. three days. Okay, so for anyone who yeah. does not know, one of the biggest misconceptions, trends, whatever you want to call it, within the bariatric community is pouch resets. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, and part of the problem is, some surgeons tell you to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. so, it's like mind-boggling. But basically... The theory is, okay, I'm struggling with old habits creeping back in. I'm struggling with regain. I'm struggling with whatever. I'm going to go back to my pre-op or newly post-op diet to have a pouch reset. So I'm going to go back to the diet progression of liquid, like liquids, full liquids, puree, soft food, so that I can regain my restriction and have this like mental reset too. All you are doing if you are doing that is doing some kind of incredibly restrictive detox like you would have done in a disordered eating phase before and it does not serve you but people will say but I feel the restriction again and my answer is well well, no shit you didn't yeah. eat anything for two weeks <laughs> so if you don't eat anything for two weeks the first time you eat solid food of course you're going to feel the restriction yeah. doesn't, it doesn't it's mean there. that you shrunk your, your stomach you did not all you've done is restarted that cycle of disordered eating all you have done is withdrawn and kept food from your body that you need, mm-hmm. further confirming that limiting belief in your head that food is bad and I should not be eating. Mm-hmm. So pouch resets are absolute garbage. And anyone who tells you otherwise, just immediately unfollow and walk away from. And if your surgeon is telling you to do a pouch reset, fire them and go get another surgeon. <laughs> and yes. I tell people that all the time. If your bariatric surgery team is not working with you, is not advocating for you, and is not hearing you, you have every right to go find another physician. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are barriers there with insurance and what have you, but I tell I tell my tribe members so all the time, mm-hmm. you should be an active participant in the care you receive. Yeah. So if you go to your team with a concern, they should be working with you, not dismissing you. And if they are telling you to do something, not telling you why or not, or if they tell you to do something, tell you why you know like, that doesn't work for me and I can't do that. If they either shame me or make you feel like, well, too too bad, don't go do it anyways. They, their job is to help support you and figure out either why you can't do the thing, what the barrier is, or how to overcome it. And if they're not, you need a team that's going to do that for you and with you. Well, and I think something that we didn't understand in the beginning is that we get to choose our care. Yeah. And we they work for it. us, yeah. not the other way around. Yes. And so you can walk into an office and say, listen, this isn't working for me. I need another and plan. I always tell my clients, my tribe members, and anyone here who follows me just on social media, I cannot replace your surgical team. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I am a dietitian and I have the credentials to give you proper nutrition resources, but I can't replace what your surgeon or your own dietitian instructs you to do. Mm-hmm. What I can do, though, is present you with education and help build up your confidence to go be that advocate. Yeah. So I want you to feel empowered when you talk to them. I want you to feel prepared when you talk to your team about an issue or a regain and not feel shamed. And if you are too afraid to go back to your bariatric center because you've regained or you're struggling and you feel like they're going to shame you, that's one a sign that you do need to probably go talk to somebody, whether that's a therapist or whoever, but you also have every right to find a team that will hear you. And there are fantastic, and I'm not here to, you know, 
shit on bariatric centers. There are fantastic bariatric yeah. centers. Mm-hmm. There are fantastic surgeons, there fantastic are. nurse physicians, fantastic bariatric coordinators, fantastic dietitians. Some make us look bad, <laughs> you know, but just because you've had a bad experience with your team doesn't mean there's not a great one out there who is more than willing to take you under their yeah. wing and, and support you in your care. Well, and I, I can personally attest to the fact that when I started working with you, I was in a very low space. I did not have a good mindset for myself. Like a dark place. I, I think it was dark with the regain because I felt like it got so out of control that I didn't know where to start. And I didn't want to go back to my office because I regained. Right. And I was like, but I'm on a podcast that talks about Whoa. bariatrics. Like, how do I go into my office and say, look, I failed. But the truth of it is, is it didn't fail because I was still trying to get and back to where I, I tell I people that exactly. all the time. Be healthy. In this community, the term failure is thrown around mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. I, you know... I'm up three pounds this week. I failed. I'm like, what? What are we talking Sorry, about? Sorry, that's, that's the calls that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, she puts an alarm on. Just hey, can you clip that, that out and send that to him? I will. Just so we're on the same page. Um, so, yeah, and you, and you just mentioned that we've been working together. I don't usually share who I work with as far as clients, so because of privacy, but since you... Oh, I mean, my whole life is on this podcast. I know, I'm just making sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not violating so, any HIPAA laws right now. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I share about when you came to me wanting mm-hmm. help? So, yes. Kelly reached out to me, and she said, hey, like, I'm really struggling. I really feel like I need to work with someone on this. And I she really... But she really wanted a calorie breakdown with macro Macros. breakdown. And I didn't tell you no. I didn't, even you, though I don't give yeah. those things. That's not something I do in the work that I do. And it always confuses people. I can, I'm credentialed and able to do that. I just don't. But I remember saying to you, well, why do you want that? And you're like, I feel like I don't know what I need to do. And you're like, I feel like I need to have, I need to be more strict. And I'm like, okay. And I, you know, I heard you out, mm-hmm. but I had asked you if you were willing to lean into my process and you said yes. Mm-hmm. And my fear was you were going to end up working with someone potentially who was just going to throw a macro at you, like yeah. a macro coach. Well, and I knew that I know how busy Jamie is. Like she's very busy. So I was like, I don't want you to think that I'm asking you because like we talk all the time. Like I just didn't know where to go. Yeah. And yeah. I felt very honored that you came to me and felt comfortable coming to me with this. But I remember saying to you, like, it's, it's not like you, you don't need another meal plan or calorie goal thrown at you. That's not helpful. What you need is help figuring out how to change your relationship mm-hmm. with food, how to add foods into your diet that work for you, how to feel confident and empowered, understand how these different nutrients work in your body, understand how to put them on your plate, understand how to eat mindfully mm-hmm. and, you know, get over some of those limiting beliefs. Because if all I do is throw a calorie goal at you, all you're going to do is obsessively track your calories for one to three weeks. And then you're going to mess up one day and give up. That's yeah. That's my, I would have been, been there. I would have yep. been doing you a huge disservice if I threw a calorie goal. At you. And I'm so glad you didn't because it was very nice to hear. Like you, you should be eating this because of this. And if you could do, you know, pair your protein and your carb together just try to do that for the next week or even journal on your yoga mat instead of just jumping into a new like plan. Kelly had used to do yoga and she wanted to get back into it, but I was worried she was doing too much at once because mm-hmm. I wanted to reel her in from, because one of the things that a lot of my clients do is they're, you know, you're motivated, you have that motivation. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm going to do all the things. I want to get into a good eating routine. I want to get into a good workout routine again. I, you know, I signed up to work with you like here, let's do the thing. And I'm like, okay, let's reel it in. Let's do one thing at a time. And I remember you wanted to 
start working out, but you were also anxious because you didn't feel ready to. Mm-hmm. So I was like, just sit on your yoga mat. You don't have to do yoga, but just start to like get reacquainted with it. Be my yes. and and like ease your way back into doing something that felt overwhelming and scary and do it when you're mm-hmm. ready. And we and the way I work is I help people do one thing at a time to build up your entire routine because someone asked me this the other day too on social media. They're like, how are you motivated all the time? Like to like keep doing all the things. I was like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not. very rarely am I ever motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because motivation is fleeting. No one feels motivated every day. I don't mm-hmm. care who you're following on social media or comparing yourself to. Nobody is motivated every day. Most days I don't want to do the things. Most just days. get up. Yeah. Like, and I, and I, I do genuinely love my routine. I've created a livable routine that I enjoy that works for me. I, I love, I go to CrossFit like four days a week. I love it. And there are still days when I don't want to get out of bed to go do it as much as I love it. And as social as it is when I go and as fun mm-hmm. as it is to have like, you know, those non-skill victories when I'm there, there are many a days I don't want to go. And some days mm-hmm. I don't go. Some days I do stay in bed and that's okay too, because pushing myself to do all the things every day is also not sustainable. So sometimes you have to reel it in a little bit and one of the things we talk about in the tribe membership that we're doing in our consistency challenge right now is something called a B minus mentality mm-hmm. because everyone wants that A plus, mm-hmm. wants to have a hundred percent, you know, fill out your calorie goal every day, fill out your habit tracker perfectly every day. But again, you end up the, the moment you don't do something that you view as perfect, you shame yourself, tell yourself you're failing and why bother? Mm-hmm. I would rather you be consistently imperfect than inconsistently perfect. Because yes. you could do something perfect one day or one week, but what's it going to matter if in five years from now you're not doing any of those things? Well, and I can say I did things in my brain perfectly my first year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I lost all my weight. I wasn't eating carbs. I was doing everything in my brain was like, I did everything perfect. Yeah. But here's the thing is I never consistently came up with a routine that worked for me. I just stopped doing anything that would make me gain weight. Yeah, you didn't build the habit. No. Yeah. So the moment that I had a traumatic experience, it all came back. Mm-hmm. And that was because I never had a consistent routine with my bariatric journey. Well, and I can speak from experience. Like you guys that follow us and that I've been through some trauma in the last six months, to say the least. No. no, not at all. But when, because I built the habits, instead of me like derailing, I just like went hard on like working That's out. That's what she said. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. Um, working out and eating right. Cause I was like, fuck this. Like this is the one thing I can control and I control myself. So I was like, mm-hmm. let's do this. I'm not going to let anything else like, derail what I'm what my mindset is I'm just gonna go all in and it really helped because like I'm doing a lot better now that I actually mm-hmm. did that because when you work well, out and you, you didn't better. go like zero Mm-mm. like you you didn't just jump in you were like okay I'm gonna try to go like two days this week yeah like I listened to the people that we talked to because I realized it is just baby steps mm-hmm. so I was I only go like twice a week to work out now it's three times a week and I've been doing that since November we're in February. That's, that's fine. That's like, like, no, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's, it's not just fine. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. But the yeah. thing is, that's how you want to do it. Because if you had jumped into five, six days a week, mm-hmm. 
And then you missed a day. And then you never did it again. Yeah. Can we talk about how many workouts it is for two to three times a week consistently since November? Yeah. That adds up so much more Mm -hmm. than if you try and do something perfectly full-fledged all at once and then never do it again. Right. Okay. So, and I haven't weighed myself until we went to SAVP. Got to see the number. She called it an asshole. I was an asshole. Yeah, because it went up. Okay, but you also were just flying on a plane. You were probably retaining some fluid. And you were middle... End of the day getting on. I was. It so was like it was probably o'clock. it was not your dry weight, which is your accurate weight. The deal was is that like, yes, I was annoyed with the number because I haven't weighed myself in forever, but like the inches, like I have this V thing happening. I yeah. Hips and everything, like my waist is coming in. Mm-hmm. And I'm up like five, probably 10 pounds, but for some reason all this is working. So I'm just saying, like, it doesn't matter what the scale really says. It's really like what you build. And this is where like I also, you know, I talk about this a lot too, is having kind of this more holistic approach. Um, back in the summer um, in the tribe, we did like a consistency program surrounding the wellness wheel, which has the eight dimensions mm-hmm. of wellness. And we talked a lot about um, not just your nutritional and physical health, which is the two main things that we do focus on on this journey, but we talked about your emotional health, your spiritual health, your environmental health, your occupational health. Because, you know, if you have to, you know, if we're going to use you as an example from your first year, yeah. your nutrition and physical activity could be, quote, perfect. Even though perfect doesn't exist. Let's mm-hmm. just say it. It doesn't. Like, let's just say for yeah. this example. I thought perfect. it was perfect. Right. It was your yeah. ideal of perfect. But if yeah. you had to sit out of social events because you couldn't handle being around the food or you mm-hmm. had to sit out of other experiences because you couldn't stick to your diet unless you were in your own, you know, mm-hmm. environment. That's not healthy either. No. <laughs> like that's so you shouldn't be missing out on your entire life to stick to such a strict regimen. Mm-hmm. You have to have in order to be consistent, you need to have flexibility. And I think what happens mm-hmm. is we go into this journey, it's we're full-fledged and you do have to be committed. I'm not saying you don't have to be committed. You have mm. to be committed. You have to hold yourself accountable and do the things. That's that's not we're not saying just to say, ah, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. Like, no, you committed to this, you have to do well, it. And you're committing to yourself. You are. Yeah. But you also need to figure out how can I adapt to this journey to make it livable. And this is where having the the support is really, mm-hmm. really important. And I think that that's where one of the biggest gaps in the overall system lies after bariatric surgery is having that, that ongoing support, um, because that's what can be really tough. And especially, you know, if you couple not having that support as well as maybe not having the proper education, it can be really hard to know what to even do. Yeah. So I understand why Uh so many people feel confused alone. I, well, I felt that. And I remember, I've said this so many times, but I remember thinking when I was having my surgery and right after just feeling very alone because I'm, I had never even met one person in my whole life who had surgery. Mm-hmm. And just, oh, well, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm like, huh? But I, I remember thinking like, okay, like I'm a, I was almost done with school. I was almost a dietitian at that point. I was like, I have a degree in nutrition and I'm freaking overwhelmed mm-hmm. and I'm upset and I have no support and I feel like I can't do this. How in the hell does anyone who doesn't have five years of nutrition education under their belt grasp this? Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, like, this is so hard. (laughs) Like, I literally went to school to study nutrition. And it's bariatric nutrition is different than just average, like, Mm -hmm. we're not the average population. So to under, I remember sitting there with my dietitian because it was funny. My surgical team tried to waive my pre-op nutrition appointments with my dietitian. Which looking back, thank God they didn't. Like, I, why were they advocating for that? Like, looking back. Because they're like, oh, like, she knows what she's doing. No. Like, no, I don't looking, know what looking, I'm doing. Looking back, I'm like, that was a horrible choice. But, uh-huh. but <laughs> I remember sitting there with my dietitian, who was great. 
And she was teaching me about bariatric vitamins and how to make sure I was getting what I needed for the, the guidelines. And I was so overwhelmed. I asked her to go through the vitamins with me like six times as I'm, you know, typical dietitian me perfectionist writing out like every note I could I'm like mm-hmm. there's a lot of numbers and there like, there's a lot of vitamins to keep track mm-hmm. like I was so overwhelmed with the vitamins and that was when I was thinking I'm like how does anyone keep this straight because so, you take it out one day at a time yeah yeah because you can't shove everything into day one you have to slowly build, build a routine mm-hmm. and it's like I remember having the conversation with Michaela where I cried but I remember thinking like I don't have a routine I never built a routine and so it didn't like looking back from there to where I am now like it didn't happen overnight no like I slowly added things in to make sure that it worked for me and if it didn't work for me then I swapped it out for something else right but this is like six months of work and now I have a solid routine. But see, like it takes time. It takes six time. Months. It's not overnight. But no. also your routine's going to change. And this is mm-hmm. where the flexibility comes in. This is where having really strong foundational habits, like getting your protein in, making sure you're drinking your water, making mm-hmm. sure you're taking your vitamins. Having that foundation is, is essential for when things mm-hmm. are up in the air. Or you're traveling. Yeah. When you're traveling. No, a hundred percent. How are you supposed to keep, a normal routine with your habits under your belt if you don't have a normal routine at home when you're traveling. Correct. I actually talked about that. I did um, Kristen's Bariatric Symposium again this last year. My presentation was on vacation and traveling after surgery. And that was the big thing I talked about. Like if you don't have some solid habits under your belt, it's going to be really hard to hit your goals and stick to your mm-hmm. habits if you're if you're out of your routine. But just, you know, you guys have been through some major life changes in the last year. Your routine changes. Your routine Damn. is going to continue to change. Yeah. Jobs will change. You know, mm-hmm. if you have kids, whether they're home for the summer or at school, like mm-hmm. every we're always in a different season of life. Mm-hmm. So always going back to your reason why, grounding yourself and instead of overwhelming yourself like, okay, what are my what are my non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. and figuring out what are my non-negotiables for the day and maybe that is hitting your protein goal in your water you know one of one of my I, i've used this example a lot especially in my tribe calls so my tribe girls sitting here today are kind of like okay jamie i've heard this story a lot but i one of the things that one of my clients said to me a couple of years ago like two years ago she was in one of my programs and her and i were talking about how this is this journey is a juggling act mm-hmm. you're juggling a lot of things not only are you juggling the bariatric journey of those non-negotiables like your protein and your water and moving your body and, and all the things, but you're also juggling real life shit. Like everyone has stuff in their life. Everyone has, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's your jobs, your kids, your families, you're taking care of people, like whatever it is, everyone has their things. Some of those things are non-negotiable. <laughs> so one of the things we talked about is how it's like a juggling act. And she said, she's like, you know, it is a juggling act. And some of those, you know, balls that I have up in the air are plastic, some are glass. The plastic ones I can drop, the glass ones I cannot. So there are some things like, you you know, you, you have to show up to work or, you you know, you have to make sure that your kid's off to school or whatever yeah. it is. You know, you got to feed your kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Not that you don't have to feed yourself, but like you need to fill your own cup. But, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you have an overwhelming week, you have like crazy things happening at work and you have to work extra time and you don't make it to the gym for the week, you drop that ball, but it's plastic. Pick it back up next week. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're picking it back up once you drop it, you're going to be okay. It's figuring out how to get back to it because no one is perfect all the time. No one, not any one of us is mm-hmm. even consistent all of the time, no, but yeah. it's going back to what you know is going to serve you long-term on this journey and prioritizing you so that you 
don't let the things that are slipping through the cracks like completely fall mm-hmm. and break. What would yeah. be the most common question you get on a daily? Um, in your DMs. What's in your DMs, Jamie? <laughs> we want to know. Um, are they naughty or nice? Usually <laughs> get nice. your brain out of here. Usually people are nice. Yeah. Um, my brain will go where it wants to go, Kelly. I get a lot of people asking me how many calories or how many carbs should I eat, which we kind of already addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of people asking me. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't even get a ton of like straightforward questions. I get a lot of people reaching out just struggling mm-hmm. or overwhelmed or confused. Mm-hmm. And I will, it, it's, it's not even, I don't, I, I, I really am honored by that because I know that I've created a very safe space within social media and within the platform I've created for people to feel comfortable coming to me. And I don't take that lightly. That means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time people will message me and be like, Hey, like, I feel like a failure. I've regained all my weight or I had surgery mm-hmm. 10 years ago and I feel like I'm back to square one. Um, I get a lot of people who are waiting for their surgery date and are really anxious and mm-hmm. feel super overwhelmed and aren't sure if they should do this or if this is the right choice. And obviously I can't tell people what is or is not the right choice for them, mm-hmm. but I can at least hold space for them and let them know they're not alone and that I've been there too. Yeah. So I think that's, I get a lot of, I get a lot of that. And I do get people who will ask me questions like, Hey, my dietitian told me this, but like, this is my situation and I'm really confused. Like, can you clarify? And if I can, I always do. Um, it is a struggle because I'm just not able to answer all my DMs like I used to be. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for me because I, you know, my page started off as just my personal journey page and making my own friends. And it's, I always tell people, so if you're listening to this and you have questions, like, please email me. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I will not li- I will not. Yeah. You can always DM me, but what happens is it'll get buried or sometimes like I'll open it and I mean to answer and then I get distracted and then I forget to answer and the notification goes away. No. Um, uh, (laughs) So if you, and I, I answer all my emails and I have an assistant who helps me go through all my emails so that I make sure I don't forget about them. So the best Mm -hmm. thing to do is if you have specific questions, I always want to be that resource. I just can't always promise I'll see it if it's in my DMS on Instagram. So make sure, you know, you go to my page on my Instagram page. If you hit the contact button, my email pops up (laughs) and then you can just send me an email so it doesn't get lost. I think the misconception is like, especially with us, we run, you have the tribe, we have our podcast. And I think people look at us and think, oh, they've got it all together. They know everything. And I'm like, no, we don't. No, the people that really listen to us, no, that we don't. We really don't know anything. That's not That's true. why I DM Jamie and like, <laughs> what do I do about this? Yep. Yes. But I love when people come to me asking me the nutrition questions mm-hmm. they don't know. Like, I love that people trust me. Like, I remember you guys. Um, my chicken can situation. Oh, oh my bad. Yeah, yeah. It was so funny. So Mel has been on this, like, canned chicken kick. Like, she loves the like, canned chicken. And she asked me recently a couple months ago she's like what did you you were like how much well because like, you know like curly was it curly sue that i was referencing where you throw the yeah. can and it's dense yeah and, and then it dents and then you get a discount <laughs> yeah yeah it was curly sue and but i heard that like that can actually cause like botulism <laughs> so i was like okay you asked me if i have a can of chicken a day i want to make sure like I okay so is a can of chicken a day too much chicken okay, yeah so okay so, so that's I, where it was coming from okay well like, you didn't tell me that like please don't eat 
So please don't eat a squish dented can and get botulism. That's not what I'm telling yeah, you. To let's do. not do that. But if you want one can of chicken to make your chicken salad every day, mm-hmm. you do you. Like that's chicken. That's great. That's a great protein source. I know we have. Some there's too. a lot of also, and this on social media in gen- general. There's a lot of shame surrounding processed foods. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it drives me nutty because if you. There's nothing, obviously you want to have a good selection of whole foods, but if having canned chicken or canned tuna helps you get your protein in, that is a perfectly like beautiful protein source. Well, it yeah. You don't have to slave over the stove all day. Mm-hmm. That's why I've been doing you, it for the last couple of months. You <laughs> don't have to meal prep every week no. and like make these perfectly portioned so, things every okay, single so week. Okay, for anyone listening to this, I want you afterwards to go to the link in my bio and I want you to download my free meal planning guide. Yeah. Yes. I, taught, I have a 50 page ebook that is completely free that I give away all the time because I want people to understand this. I hate cooking. Yes. I hate it. And I have been the I, only one cooking here, ladies. So. And I'm looking, I'm looking yeah, at Jimmy in the back of the audience because I know she is, she knows, she knows I am a chicken nuggy girl through and through. Because I yes. talk about this a lot. It's in our fridge right now. It is. But <laughs> my point is, I listen, I don't like to cook. I am not, I I just, people are always surprised by that because I'm a dietitian. I just don't enjoy it. I want quick, efficient, and once I find something I like, I'll eat the same meal over and over. That's just how I am. Mm -hmm. I want something that's going to taste good, get the job done. So I love getting the the Purdue low-carb chicken nuggets, and I throw them in the air fryer, and I dip them in whatever I feel like it, and I pair a veggie with it, and I'm happy. Yeah, you we, know don't, we don't. We don't have. You don't. Ha- my point is, you don't have to have this perfectly. Again, mm-hmm. I think, and it all not just diet culture, but I think wellness culture is really toxic on social media. Mm-hmm. A lot of the wellness fitness influencers, well, they probably don't mean to give these toxic messages due because it's not realistic for people to perfectly weigh and portion every single thing they're going to eat for the entirety of the week and pre-blog and pre-track it. It's not, that's not, that's not realistic. And also like, have you ever had a meal prep after like five days in your fridge? I have, it sucks. It's dry and it's gross. Yeah, you don't And I would much rather have my air fried chicken nuggies. Which is fine. (laughs) Which is so funny because Eric was like, do you think there's a concern that Dylan's having the bear chicken just bear chicken nuggets no there's like, nothing no. wrong with that it's chicken uh, yeah i was like no it's chicken he goes i don't know i'm like dude if he found something he likes it's protein just let him fucking have it like why does it matter that it's the same thing i'm like it's actually good that he has a routine and the thing is if you if you do like cooking lean into that i get people sometimes who are telling me like i love cooking or like i'm I used to be a chef or yeah my family has a restaurant like i don't want that to deter me on my journey I'm like, no, like use that as a strength. So like, I really believe that you can take almost any meal that you really love and enjoy and make it more bariatric friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that also goes back to, you know, we, and the tribe, we also have our cultural eating support groups because bariatric surgery in general is not super accommodating to different cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, Asian cultures, for example, have a lot of rice. Mm-hmm. If you're told never to eat rice again, that is not helpful. Now, if you don't tolerate rice, rice is still very different, well with yeah. me, so I have to be mindful of how much rice I eat. But mm-hmm. if I, you know, maybe that is cauliflower rice, or maybe you do some cauliflower rice with a little bit of regular rice and make your poke bowl or your sushi bowl. And there how, you, you know, I love doing this. I will do either shrimp or smoked salmon okay. with some cauliflower rice for my veggie. So you've got your protein, cauliflower rice for veggie. A little bit. I'll do like a tablespoon or two of regular rice because again, it hurts my stomach, so I have to be mindful. But there's my carb, and I will do some chopped up cucumber and avocado, and that's 
you know, some fiber and some fat from the avocado. I'm hungry and soy sauce. That's a nice meal. Like you can take good meals. Go get me some more cheese. I know. My point is, if you, if you enjoy something, you should not be restricting the things that you like. You do not have to have boiled chicken and steamed broccoli to be healthy. And I hate that wellness culture makes it seem like you do. Well, and we were just talking about that because my sister, my little sister, did a fitness competition and she like what she ate was boiled chicken breast, sweet potatoes. Yeah. And quinoa. So I saw, Oh, she's losing weight. Will you come over and help me meal prep? So she showed me exactly how she meal prepped. I ate one meal and I was like, this is fucking disgusting. I'm not doing this. And ever since then I hate sweet potatoes and I'm just like, it's not worth it to me. To be a size well, zero. I think a lot of people can relate. So I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. Like from early diet days, whether it was when you were a kid, teenager, whatever, put on a restricted diet, there was probably some, quote, diet food that you ate a lot because it felt mm. like it was what you needed to lose weight that now you can't look at. Mm. Quinoa. <laughs> Sweet potato. Mm. No, it's you not know, good. Whether that's, you know, a, I don't know, rice cakes or something that maybe you Actually, I, like I actually really like rice cakes with too. peanut butter. And then if you chop up okay, the Procare calcium chocolate. Okay, fun <laughs> fact. Fun fact. People don't always know this. You can actually toast rice cakes. What? Yeah, you got to be careful because apparently they catch on fire if they they're do. toaster too long. Ask me how I know that. Because you did it. Because you forgot about it. Because <laughs> I forgot about it. Yeah. You're like, don't forget this. Don't for- oh, wait. Shine. Don't forget the rice cakes in the toaster. <laughs> okay. but if you do the rice cakes in the toaster for le- like literally less than a minute they get toasty and then if I put a little bit of peanut butter and banana on them they're delicious no. should we switch it to an air fryer no but uh, mm, no. I don't know I don't know no. so we just almost burn the house down for this meal. listen I'm not a cook there are sacrifices being made for good food I, I hear it and that's one of them the moral of the story is you can eat foods that you like and make them more quote very other friendly and you don't have to have just plain food. Like flavor your food. Get uh, spices. Get it's something I never Seasoning. Get mm-hmm. the sugar-free sauces. Even if like I love the Bolt House um, ranch dressing. It's not bad. You know, I made even a buffalo chicken dip for tonight. It's in those low That's carb so wraps. Good. But you know, I did um, some light cream cheese. I did the canned chicken. I did some buffalo sauce and a little bit of shredded cheese and mix it together. There's no reason why you can't have that, like and pair it with some cucumbers mm-hmm. to dip it in and have that as a meal or mm-hmm. celery, you know, yep. like you can be creative. You can take those foods you used to like and figure out ways to make them healthier. And, yep. you know, there's plenty of people like myself who are ha- happy to help you mm-hmm. learn to do that. Yeah. So we are live in Orlando. Well, actually Davenport, we got really in people mad at us for not saying that correctly. Um, <laughs> We do have a mic for you guys. Do you guys have any questions for us, for Jamie, while we're doing this? Just wanted to check in. Right you could there. probably just say it from your chair. You don't have to come up to the mic. That's true. Although Mel really wants you to come up to the mic. I set it all up. <laughs> Fine. Ashley's oh, coming. Ashley's got a question. Question, comments, whatever. You broke your shoe. I did when I was walking over because I parked like, far away to oh, make no. sure I wasn't breaking your shoe. Okay, so oh, my, my question is for Jamie. Um, how do you balance the professional being both a bariatric patient and a provider within the community? Um, because up until your podcast, oh. 
We're good. I You're good, Brittany. I have not really connected the funny. two for people um, that I had like a private page, well, like Ashley's bariatric page, and that I was a therapist. Like mm-hmm. in the therapy world, we're supposed to be super separated. Nobody knows anything about you, like blank slate. Mm-hmm. And so when I did your podcast, I had clients who were my clients who then were like, hey, I listened to your podcast and I learned all this stuff about you. Uh, and I was like, oh, you did. That's great. <laughs> um, but so how have you? <laughs> Somehow I don't think it's that great. Right. So, but that's just because that's how it's set up in our world is that so, we're separate. So yeah, and I think you therapy that? is probably a little bit different than dietetics. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. So just to clarify, are you asking like how I maintain like professionalism as I'm my no no no, no, okay. no you're very professional how did you <laughs> when you talked about like your page like when it went from your personal page then to a, like your professional like how did you so, figure that part out other I think than, I'm still figuring that out okay but I will so when I so I had a different Instagram handle before so I had my surgery I guess what was your different handle it was like my name, or something. it was like. Oh, okay. So it wasn't anything fun. No, okay. no, it was like. Right. I thought I was getting like insider information. I, I was like, um, like my gamer tags assassin doll. Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> my Instagram handle was not assassin doll. No, okay. no. What about little M chick? Was it close to that? No. Okay. No. I'll go to sleep. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> So I started my Instagram page a few months before I had my surgery just to like see other people to start to post. And I just wanted to really, I just wanted to make connections in the community. And at the time I was in my dietetic internship, my last year of schooling before becoming a dietitian. And I just, I was in a really weird place because I felt like a lot of people do at first, like ashamed to have surgery. I felt like people were going to judge me. It was really, really hard to be the quote fat dietitian or dietetic intern. And people treated me differently. Like when I was in my dietetic internship and my pre-op process doing my clinical rotations, like it was hard going into the hospital and going into patients' rooms doing diet education when I myself was, you know, really overweight. And it was just, I saw the way people looked at me. I saw the way other doctors side-eyed me. I did. It's like, you, you know, when people are judging you. So I already felt like I was going to be a bad dietitian. Like I felt like I should be able to manage my own shit myself and not need this. So I felt like a hypocrite for having to have surgery. And looking back, I know that wasn't true, but at the time that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I could totally relate to that. It's yes. <laughs> and, it, it, and you don't have all your shit figured out already. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was really, really <laughs> no. hard. And I just wanted to meet people and I didn't want them to know what I was doing for my career because I didn't want to be judged, but I also just needed support. I didn't want And I honestly didn't think people would look to me for like resources or support because I felt like I don't know what I'm doing. So I didn't tell anyone. I was just in the community as myself. And then when I was like eight months post-op that July, so I had surgery in December from doing my mouth correctly. It was that July I officially graduated and became a dietitian. And once I did, I changed my Instagram handle to the sleep dietitian and I shared with people I'm a dietitian. Like I finally got like my, you know, credentials and I'm really excited. And I got a lot of messages from people. Mind you, I was further into my journey. I already learned a decent amount. I did a bariatric rotation um, in my clinical internship. So that was like my specialty when I was in in my clinical internship. I did that on purpose, obviously, um, because I realized like I just wanted to help other people. And when I told everyone on Instagram and my Instagram friends that I was a dietitian, I started to get like, oh, can you help me? 
oh, wow, I would love if you could help me. Like, oh, you get it. And I always wanted to go into private practice because the whole reason I had gone to school to be a dietitian in the first place is I wanted to work with people with PCOS because I had PCOS and I felt like there was no one who understood what it was like. So my goal was to have a, a clinic. It's funny because my vision was I had to do like a business plan model when I was in school. And it's funny because I had envisioned a place where I wanted to create a space for women with PCOS where they could come for dietitian support, therapy support, exercise support, be with other people and make connections. And this is what I really wanted. And all these years later, that's what the tribe is. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have in, you know, the membership community I've created virtually for bariatric patients. It started with that way long ago. So it's really come full circle, but at the time, that's what I wanted to do. And I already knew I wanted to get my LLC and start a private practice. And then I had all these bariatric patients saying, hey, can you help me? And I was like, I would love to. And I eventually got my systems in place and started taking on people. So I was still documenting my own journey, still sharing my own wins and talking about things. But I started to just very naturally educate people, kind of like I do now. So I will share my own things on my page. I will share about my own wins. I will share consistently my own struggles. And I have been open about every single freaking struggle I've had whether that be some regain, whether that be mental health. I, I've been open about all of it. And I always tell people like my page is my journey first. I'm here to educate and offer support and give you resources, but I'm never going to filter myself. I'm never going to, you know, just tell people what they want to hear. I'm going to keep being honest and genuine and authentic. And if that means sharing, hey, I'm struggling with some ringing and I'm going on Manjaro and I think weight loss medications can be great for you too, depending on what, you know, I've gotten a lot of shit for that. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of shit for that, but how, and my whole thought was, okay, well, how am I supposed to sit here and provide you with nutrition content? If I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the magical key to your success is my program. Cause that's icky and gross and not true. Yeah. You need support. Yeah. You need nutrition education, but sometimes you need something else too. Just like me, yep. it's not going, there's no magical fix to this. Obesity is a disease and it's a chronic disease. And there's always going to be things that you have to manage, whether that's mental health, physical health, whatever. So I try and lead by example, by showing people that as I go through it and I'm still learning cause I don't know where I'm going to be one, two, five years from now. Like my journey keeps evolving and changing. And I think it keeps shaping what I do on social media and what I do in my programs because I keep growing as a professional and a patient too. So it, I, I, I never got like a roadmap of how to do that. I just naturally show up and share what I can. Um, so my best advice to someone who wants to do that also is don't filter yourself. Mm -hmm. Obviously only share what you're comfortable with. I do think having boundaries is good. And as my page has grown, there are things that I would love to just openly say all the time, but I do not that I filter myself, but there are some things that I rein it in on because a lot of people take the things that I say to heart so seriously that I need to just be mindful of how I say the things that I say sometimes. Um, so I think just keeping your audience in mind is really important. Um, but be true to yourself. Yeah, please. I hope that answered your question. That was like a really long answer, no, but that's it. <laughs> It's just, it's a really... Uh, it's a fine line. Yeah. It's like a fine Kevin line. Smith. Have you, you know who Kevin Smith is? Mm -mm. Like Jay and Silent Bob? Mm -mm. Yeah, I know. You're giving me this look. One, she doesn't no, know who the hell that is. No, I'm looking Jamie the look, not you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I, I live I don't under know a who rock. That is either. I live under a rock. Okay, what? can we have Jay hands in here? Bob. Who all knows who Jay and Silent I mean, Bob is? Know who it is okay, Jay and Silent. Thank you, people. <laughs> because Kevin Smith is the bigger guy. He's hilarious. Mm -hmm. But I've seen him in comedy club, and literally, oh, you he's ask a comedian. Him, you didn't tell me that. Right? He's not. He's a comedic writer. He's not Kevin. Well, Jay and Silent. The bigger guy in, in 
Jane's Jane Silent, Silent Bob. Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you ask him a question, he'll take half hour to answer. That's me. That's Jamie. <laughs> That's me. That's me. Yeah. He'll tell you everything. I yes. love it. I love it. Well, you're just gonna, you're just gonna know when I cut you off, so I'll just keep talking. I'm, I'm doing it right now, girl. All right. Um, <laughs> I have to pee. Does anybody else have a question for us? So Kelly can go pee right now. Fine. Oh, I like we this. can handle this, Jen. It's totally fine. Okay. If you guys don't have any other questions, I want to play a trivia game. Actually, okay. Okay. So I um like through the bariatric community have decided to become a dietitian. So I'm going back to school. Yay! Yay! Um, I want to know, since you mentioned it, that you were in school, like while you were doing your journey, like how did you balance that? Not very well. <laughs> um, so, okay, that's well not true. enough because I, you have your uh, degree. <laughs> I, it was, I don't think I gave myself enough self-care as I needed. Like I struggled really hard to take time for myself, but I was really on it with the things that my surgery center told me to do. Like that did take priority. Um, it was definitely hard. It was really hard. What was, I'm trying to think about the best way to answer <laughs> without going on like a whole tangent. Because <laughs> now I'm self-conscious I'm going to talk too much. My job is to point out the obvious. It's totally fine. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> well, I'm very excited for you to go back to school to be a dietitian and you can do it. It's just, again, figuring out what your non-negotiables are. So when I had my surgery and I was still in school, like I had my surgery on my two week Christmas break during my dietetic internship because that was the only time I could fit it in. So I immediately went back, back to my clinicals at two weeks post-op. Um, and that was really hard to manage. Okay. Water, protein, vitamins, all those things in the very beginning, but I put alarms on my phone. I made sure I packed the protein I needed for the day. I always started the day with my protein coffee. I made sure that I either got up in the morning or after my internship, even if it was just going for a walk, I was moving my body. So you have to figure out what those non-negotiables are and work it in, but you can do it. It's, it's hard. It's definitely hard. It's competitive, but as I say in the tribe, we can do hard things and you've done hard things before. And I think it's amazing that you want to be a dietitian too, to serve this community. So I'm very proud of you. I'm very, very excited. That's very exciting. I'm waiting for my acceptance letter to school right now. So I'm very nervous. Well, I hope, I hope I'm the first person you message when you get it. Okay. Cause I want to know. So okay. what you missed is, um, Ash is going to become a dietitian. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. I'm caught up. Oh, we I'm need more bariatric sick. dietitians around here. We do. We do. And There's what? an awesome one behind me. That was my dietitian. Oh, right oh, oh my gosh. gosh. I didn't know that. That's really cool. That's really cool. That's like amazing. It. Yeah. We need more people in this community that understand that not everything is perfect. And that. Yeah, Kelly. <laughs> and that you understand where they're, they've been. And I think that's the biggest piece of support is knowing that the person that you're talking to isn't judging you because they themselves and have been that's where the you one are. thing I think, you know, people do feel comfortable talking to me and I'm so grateful they do. And I, I say it all the time. It's probably not because I'm the world's best dietitian. It's because yeah, people, I mean, it's because people feel comfortable and they know that I get it and that I've been there. And, you, and there's no, very, you do have an award for it. I do. You have five. I do. Um, but one of the things that I want to do also is one of my hopes is to start creating more resources for bariatric clinicians and professionals across the board mm -hmm. to do some courses 
or I would love to do something that they could get continuing education credits for. And these are things that I would need more time to work on still, but I want to be able to educate other clinicians on what it feels like to be a bariatric patient and how to maybe deliver some of your messages to bariatric patients or how sometimes your words or your demeanor could come off a certain way that could be have a negative impact mm-hmm. on someone's journey without even realizing it. I mean, I think this is just an issue in our medical profession as a whole for a lot of people and different, you know, different diagnoses anyways. But I think, again, I, I like to think that I get to bridge the gap in this community between patient to professional because I can see things from the professional clinician side of things in the bariatric centers and I can see things from the, the patient side. So if I can better help patients and physicians understand each other, I think communication education would be better. So that's oh, something that I'm hoping drop, to be able to do. But don't drop the mic. It's fine. <laughs> don't throw your favorite mic. No. Well, uh, those <laughs> are, these are your favorites. Yeah. These are the, that's why we have them. Yeah. That's very rude, but okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. All right. I think we should leave it there. Well, let's see if anybody else has any other questions before we go. Because I wanted to do a little trivia game. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's your trivia? Well, I need someone to come up and participate. So who will do that? If not, I know your names. And I'll be a teacher. <laughs> I'll be a teacher and have you come up. So, I think. Who wants to volunteer here? We just one person. I think we should metamorphose call. Steph. That's who I was thinking. Ah, look at that. Steph, you're up. High five. Hey, you're leaving me hanging. Oh, sorry. Okay. Do I have to come up? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you do. And I'll let you hold the mic. <laughs> Mel and this freaking mic, man. We're doing crazy. I mean, we can. I have all the works for it. Okay. <laughs> we, have, we have all the things. All so, the things. Steph, can you name me? Name me? Yeah. The okay. surgeries. Name the surgeries? Name the bariatric surgeries. Okay, let me see if I can pronounce this right. I'm going to start with the hardest one. Duadenal switch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, verbal sleep gastrectomy. Mm-hmm. Marine Y gastroplypass. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I don't like this one, but last hand. Yep, that's yep. fourth. Yeah. Is there any, that's it. Was Maybe the that's Sadie count as the fifth? Yeah, that's yep. a, the Sadie. Or is that the duodenal? Sadie and duodenal switch are kind of the same, right? Yes. Well, no, they're they're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would count them separately. There's okay. also um mini gastric bypass, and mm-hmm. there's also we would want to count know that the one. gastric balloon. Yeah, I, that's the one I was thinking was the Sorry, Steph, I didn't mean to cut you off. I don't know if no, you're done. Yes, no. Yeah. And then what would... Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so what is the typical range for water that you're supposed to have daily? Minimum of 64 ounces. Yeah. Then, is there like a maximum? 120? Is, I don't know. Okay, what I was going to ask. Dietitian. Is dietitian. Question. I don't think it's necessary for most people to have that much water per day. I would aim for the 64 ounces or at least try and get close. But also, again, everyone's individual needs will be different. So if you have, you know, if you're sweating a lot or depending on your size, you might need more. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are okay with a little bit less. Again, if you are someone who's pretty small and maybe you're not losing that much water, some people are okay in the lower range, but I would never recommend aiming for the lower range. I would still recommend at least trying to get closer to that 64 ounces. Thank you, Steph. I'll let you go. <laughs> All, right. All right. So one last thing. Yes. Jamie, I don't know if you guys heard, but Jamie is writing a book. 
Jamie turned to like book an book. actual freaking book. Yeah. So tell us about your book. So there, there's still a lot in the works right now, but my deadline for the book is March 31st. We are mm-hmm. hoping that it'll be published and hopefully in everyone's hands by this summer is the goal. Um, I have not released the title of the book yet, but I will be at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole book is... It's partially a memoir, but mostly an advocacy book where I am talking about my own journey and the struggles I've had both personally and professionally. And we are also, the the big thing that I'm talking about in the book is just advocating for bariatrics as a whole and how it treats obesity and really driving home the fact that obesity is a disease and it's Mm -hmm. a chronic disease and what that means and the unique struggles that so many of us face. And we all experience things differently after surgery mm-hmm. and the things that people don't think about on the surface level, you know, society sees it as well, just move more and eat less. Mm-hmm. And it's just not that simple And talking about the complexities because obesity is not just a chronic disease, but it's a complex multifaceted disease that mm-hmm. needs a lot more attention than it's been given. Mm-hmm. A lot, um, lot more. So that's my, my book is really advocating for proper treatment for obesity, which is bariatrics because bariatrics is the field of medicine that treats obesity, which includes both medication management and surgical mm-hmm. management. So or some together and combined. Yes. So, um, I'm really excited. It's probably one of the top scariest things I've done. And I've done a lot of scary things, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, surgery in itself was really scary, but I'm really excited and I've wanted to write a book for so long. And I hope that this really does our community justice. And I hope that our community feels proud of this book. So I'm thinking of everyone in mind as I write it. And I hope that it also teaches people a lot, both within and not within our community. I hope that it opens a lot of people's eyes to what this journey looks like. I hope it does kind of what I was talking about before, about wanting to support our clinicians and physicians in this community. I hope it opens their eyes. I hope, you know, I think we just still as a whole have a lot, there's a lot of stigma around obesity and bariatrics and I want to keep working to destigmatize it. And I hope that that's what this book does. So I've been documenting the writing process on my social media page. Um, so it's, it's been wild, but I hope that everyone will follow along and hopefully we'll want to read the book once it comes out. So again, I don't have an actual date for it yet, but sometime within this next year, hopefully, hopefully by this summer. It's huge. I'm yes. so proud of you. Thanks. That's so yes. cool. It's crazy. Yes. Is there weird. anything else you would like to share with everybody or plug anything? Yeah. Um, well, thank you all for listening and listening to my long tangents and my long answers because I can certainly talk. Um, if you want to hear more from me, you can find me on my social media at The Sleeve Dietitian. I have my tribe membership program, which is an acronym for the Real Insights of Bariatric Eating. It is a virtual membership where you have access to hundreds of resources where I have video modules of me explaining all sorts of bariatric topics. And we have a host of bariatric leaders who have had surgery and also have credentials. We have therapists, um, and all sorts of people in the tribe who lead support groups. We have 40 plus live support events every single month. So there's a, usually a support group each day. day. I do yeah, live Q and A's. Um, the whole point is to give you the resources that you need to be successful, give you the accountability, give you the support and really give you the community that I so much craved on this journey. So I have, that's, that's my main service. So if you would like more support, if you need more support, I'm here. And again, you can always 
email me and reach out and I'm always happy to answer your questions. And use code OSLP, OSLP. at checkout. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I got yeah. to be at the first live East Coast tour. This I is so know. exciting. I know. It's really exciting. So Yay. Fun. All right. <laughs> we love you guys and we will see you next, next time. time. Bye. <laughs> Hey listeners, if you enjoyed your time with us, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform you get your podcasts. And don't forget to go over to patreon.com forward slash OSLP for all your support needs. That's right. And we even have our own website. So go over to arslevipodcast.com, sign up for our newsletter, get that free ebook, and then don't forget to get your merch. And also we're on YouTube guys. So type in our name, hit that bell and hit subscribe. And you're going to see our lovely faces every single Tuesday. So thank you for listening to Our Sleep Life Podcast, where we are breaking that stigma one episode at a time. Bye.